It's really good to see you. If you're visiting with us, welcome. Uh, my name's Steve Cunningham. I get to be the lead pastor here at Wellhouse, and uh, I'm not new anymore. I really, uh, I've been around for a little bit now. We, uh, we're coming up on almost two years of uh, being here with uh, the Wellhouse family. We're Super excited about that! It's been a it's been an awesome, wild uh, adventure, and we're looking forward to what God is calling us to next. Uh, I'll let you know uh, another thing on the horizon that you should know about. Every year in the holiday time, we do something called Hope for the Holidays, and it's our chance to be wildly generous. It's one of the chances that we have uh, to be wildly generous. And in the past, we have chosen a couple of families from uh, from a local school district to to buy presents for uh, for Christmas, and that's been wonderful. Uh, and this year, we've kind of reimagined what that would look like, and we know we've talked about. Uh, a part of, of who we want to be as we move forward is really impacting the landscape uh, of our community. And we said that that starts with children. And uh, we've been contacted, uh, uh, have, we've had some contact with some local foster uh, assistance programs. And what they've done for us is said, hey, listen, I know this is a tall order, but is there any way that you could provide um, Christmas for 150 foster kids in our area. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sure. Because uh, I know my people and I know our heart. And so uh, on, on November 2nd, which is a Thursday night, uh, you're going to be hearing more about this, but we're going to be having a legacy gala. And through that time, we're going to be, we're gonna be uh, giving some awards to people in our community who, uh, who've, who've just been setting an example in our community, which is wonderful. We've been partnering with some other people to make this event happen. Uh, what's going to happen through this, actually, is the money that's being raised through this gala, people will be giving, donating, buying tickets and tables and those kinds of things, uh, is that that money will be coming back to Wellhouse to help us in that mission of buying 150 uh, foster kids Christmas this year. And that's wonderful. Yeah, so um, that's because I want you to know that's because the community recognizes what you're doing. And that's huge. Uh, and so I just want you to know, uh, continue on in that quest. And today, that's one of the things that I, I want to, uh, to talk about. Uh, and last night, actually, I was at a, I was at a fundraising gala uh, for sexual assault victims. And it was downtown Nashville. And we went with some friends. They drove. And we parked in a parking garage. We were kind of running late. And so uh, we parked in the parking garage. We went into the gala. We had a great time. We walked back out. And, and myself and, and the other gentleman that was with us, uh, we, we said, all right, we're going to be we're going to be great guys, great husbands. We're going to go get the car, bring it around for our lace since they don't have to walk, you know, they don't have to walk so far in their heels. And um, we couldn't find the car. <laughs> and we walked and we walked and we walked and we, and we, and we, and we, I mean, we circled that parking garage every level several times. We were gone for, like, they called us. They were like, what happened to you? I'm like, are you, have you been abducted? You know, like, what's going on? There was a concert at Bridgestone. Like, did y'all pop in there? Like, what's happening? We were gone for, like, over an hour. We couldn't find the car. Uh, and what happened was we just got confused, 
We, we lost our way. You know, we, the, the rule number one of, of making sure you know, you know, like what area you parked in. A, we didn't do that because we thought that we knew it ahead of time. So we didn't really check. And so we walked every level until we found it. And it made me think about this today that it's so easy to lose your way. Man, it's so easy to lose your way. Like, I, we laughed about it last night after we didn't laugh about it for a while, right? Uh, it was hot and everything. But, but afterwards, we laughed about it. But then I thought, man, it's so true of my life that there's times for me, and it's probably true for you as well, if you'll admit it, that, that it's so easy to lose your way. You think you know where you're going. You're like, listen, I've already got this mapped out. I've been here before. I've done it before. I don't have to worry about it again. And all of a sudden, you find yourself off the map again. And so, that's why it's so important for us as we continue to walk this journey that we remind ourselves what, what the journey is all about. And a few months ago, we talked about this and every few weeks we reminded ourselves about the mission that we're called on, that our, our biggest prayer, our greatest journey, our most significant mission should be to help others find a transforming relationship with God. That's what Jesus tasked his disciples with when he left them. He was like, listen, go make disciples. And it's so easy. Listen, church, it's so easy to get distracted by all the other things that come along, isn't it? And it's so easy to lose our way. That we get distracted by all kinds of things that are good things. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just not the most important thing. And so sometimes as Christians, we can find ourselves like walking around like, what's the most important thing? What's the most important? I keep searching for it, but I think I for forgot it somewhere along the way. And so that's why uh, several months ago now, what we asked you to do, and for some of you, you've been faithful in that. For, for others of you, maybe you turned off your alarm. For some of you, you weren't here this Sunday. We encourage you every Monday morning at 7 a.m., set your alarm, and we ask you to pray for three things. The first one is, God, give me a heart for those who don't know you. Because listen, sometimes that's really hard to do. Sometimes the people who who don't know him, they can be nice, and other times not so much. Sometimes it's just it's, it's easy to get lost in our way of that, and we fall into a routine of what we just normally do. And so we encourage you, listen, every week at the beginning of the week, in the earliest part of the morning, to offer up a prayer first that God would give you a heart for those who don't know him yet. God, give me the courage. We ask you to pray for this. Give me the courage to share my story. As at some point in time, your story intersects with God's story for you and he changed you and you're not the person that you weren't once were now you're not who you want to be yet and that's okay but there's a certain point that God changed your story and people need to hear that the good the bad and the ugly and last of all uh, pray that God would open your eyes to the person that he's putting in your path for that week or that day, God's going to put somebody in your path and that somebody needs to hear your story. They, they need to see God's light shining out of you. And so that's what we want to redirect you to. It's not about a church. It's not about wellhouse. It's, it's not about uh, styles of worship or, or who the preacher is or whatever else it is. It's about a transforming God who changes lives. And that's what we want to continue to point you back to. Today, I want to give you 
uh, a little bit of bad news as we start off in our uh, series together. And the bad news is you could have been wealthier than you are today, but you're not. <laughs> uh, it could have happened to you. I mean, seriously, it was in the realm of possibility, but you didn't make that, that choice or your parents didn't make that choice or your grandparents didn't make that choice. So, so here you are, you're working the nine to five, you know, or you're retired, but you know, you're, you're watching that income, but it could have happened to you. And here's how, here's how. In, in 1995, not that long ago, some of you remember it like it was yesterday. Others of you, it was a little before you were born. That's okay too. Still trying to cope with that a little bit in my life. Uh, in, in 1995, if you would have taken $1,000 and you had invested it in this company called Monster, which nobody thought would be successful at the time, that $1,000 would have translated into uh, over $300,000 today. It's a pretty good profit. Uh, but you didn't do that. <laughs> bad, that's bad news. In 2003, 2003, if you had taken $1,000 and you had invested in this company called Netflix while you were walking into a blockbuster and thinking that was the future, you know? If you had taken it and you had invested into a company called Netflix, which Netflix at the time didn't think they were going to exist. They were trying to have other companies buy them out. If you had taken that $1,000, that $1,000 today would have been over $800,000. That would have been nice, right? In 1940, 1940, if you or your parents or your grandparents, whoever it was, would have been taken that same $1,000 and invested it in this little company with a mouse called Disney, that same $1,000 today would be over $20 million. Wouldn't that be nice? If you had taken that same $1,000 in 1947 and invested in this company called IBM, that same $1,000 would be over $50 million today. And if you'd have taken in 1963 and invested in the Coca-Cola company, that $1,000 today in your bank account would have be somewhere around $82 million. But you didn't do that. <laughs> and your parents didn't do that, and your grandparents didn't do that, and you know why? Sometimes taking a leap into the unknown seems really risky. See, if it was a sure thing, if they're like, listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you 100%, there, there is no risk involved. You give us $1,000 today, and in 20 or 30 or 40 years from now, millions of dollars in your bank account, you would say, yeah, sure, go for it. I'm Sign me up. I'm all in. It might be a stretch. I might have to pull some extra resources, but I'm going to give you $1,000, and I can't wait for the return. But here's the thing. It's a risk, isn't it? And that's why we don't oftentimes do that. And yet, for most people, one of the goals in their life is to have enough finances that they don't have to worry about their finances. Right? And that's an all right goal. There's nothing wrong with that. 
The problem is, is that most of the time we're unwilling to do the things that we need to do to take the risk that we need to take in order to make those things happen. That's why you and I sitting in the room today and we think, oh man, I wish I would have invested in Monster. I wish I would have invested just a little bit of money in Netflix when it first started out because man, look at what it would have paid out now. Uh, but it takes a degree of faith. It takes a degree of risk to do that. See, in your life, you're going to have opportunities to invest in your future. And you want your future you to be thankful of the you now. But the future you will not be thankful now with your intentions. See, I, I, I may be a lot like you in the fact that I have lots of great intentions in life. I intend to be a better father. I intend to be a better husband. I intend to be a better friend. I intend to go to the gym most days. I, I intend to do a whole lot of things that I actually don't do most of the time because my intentions are not the things that drive my destination. My direction is. Andy Stanley says it this way, direction not intention determines destination. Direction, not intention, right? Oh, I intended. Have, how many of you ever talked to somebody who hurt your feelings, did something against you and whatever, and they would say, listen, you, you misunderstood my intentions. And you think, I don't really care what your intentions are. I care about what you did. That's, that's, that's kind of the destination where we're at. I appreciate you did it with a, with a, with a genuine heart, <laughs> but you did it wrong, and you hurt my feelings, and you messed up our relationship, and you didn't do the things that you said you were going to do. But see, it's hard to do those things because oftentimes it takes a degree of risk. It takes a degree of faith, and that's why today, honestly, I I've been really excited over the last couple of weeks preparing for today's sermon because I think we have such a degree of separation uh, in our generation, in our society, in our churches today on what faith truly looks like. See, I think we, we believe that faith is what we believe. I know what I believe. I have faith in that, but faith is bigger than what we believe. Faith is when your beliefs impact your direction. That there's something about what you believe to be true that compels you to do something about it. That we don't be, uh, we're not people who show up to a location, whether it's a skate center or a church or some kind of warehouse or whatever it is, and we say, yeah, 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 I believe that, I believe that, and then we leave and we don't do anything about that. So we can have all the best intentions in the world, but, but our direction is what impacts our destination. And so faith is bigger than just what we believe. Faith is when our beliefs impact our direction in life. We've been looking at this story of Joshua. Joshua is this Old Testament hero of faith. He, he, uh, he grows up kind of under the tutelage of, of Moses who leads the people out of Israel, right? And he's this great formidable leader who, who leads them for 40 years through the desert. And Joshua is a spy. He goes and 
spies on the land of Canaan and he brings back the report and, and he says, listen, I know that everybody else is going to say we can't do this, but I believe that, that we can. Josh was the person who Moses says, listen, as we go and fight battles, you're going to be the person who fights us for, uh, fights and leads our army against those other nations and countries. Joshua uh, sits at the right hand of Moses and he begins to learn from Moses about what it means to be a leader. And eventually, as Moses dies right before going into the promised land, God says, Joshua is the next in line and Moses blesses him. We've been looking at this story of Joshua and how God, God really kind of calls us or uh, prepares us, really. The first week we talked about being prepared by God through the various things in life. Some of those things are easy. Some of those things are great. Some of those things are difficult. But God prepares us for our faith. Last week we talked about this idea of calling, called Joshua. I'm way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark and don't go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and go pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. And then the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I'm with you as I was with Moses. And tell the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, to go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the word of the Lord your God. This is how you'll know that the living God is among you and that you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Pezrasites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Holdemites and Lovemites. That's not in there, but I think it should be. It just flows. Uh, <laughs> see, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the... Why did that pop in my brain? I have no idea. Um, See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God will go to the Jordan ahead of you. Now, then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, each one from a tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, the waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage during the harvest. And yet, as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing and it piled up in a heap in a great distance away at a town called Adam. While the, uh, <clears throat> while the water was flowing down the sea, it was just simply cut off. So the people crossed over to Jericho and the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and they stood on dry ground while all Israel passed through. The whole nation uh, had completed crossing on dry ground. This story is one of faith in action. It's one that faith is bigger than what they believe about God. It's one where their faith impacts their direction of where God is leading them. And I want to paint for you a picture. Because oftentimes as we read the text, it becomes dry. It becomes something that we can't equate to. How many of you have been to the Jordan River before? 
Yeah, very few, right? How many of you stood at the banks? Exactly. How many of you spent 40 years wandering in a desert? Uh. See, oftentimes we're presented with a text that we don't necessarily get to live out on our own, and so it seems distant. But I want to paint for you a picture today of what stepping out in faith look like. Here's the picture. You spend 40 years wandering in a desert. Desert wandering is not the perfect condition for conquering land. You're a mobile people. All you have is what you can carry from day to day and camp to camp. You're concentrated on surviving and moving. Surviving and moving. And that's what you've done your entire life. See, everybody else who knew anything different is now dead. And everything you know is transient. That's your history. And that history has nothing to do with conquering land. Another part of the picture is this longtime leader, this hero of faith, this person who was the problem solver and the person who settled disputes and the person who would give direction and the person through whom God would speak and the person whom it seemed like every good and perfect thing that God would give was through him just died, just, just died. It's like, whoa, what do we do now? What do we do now that he's gone? I mean, we're a traveling people, and who's going to point us in the right direction now that our leader, the person that we, we, we depended so much on, is now gone? Picture is adjusting to a new leader, and he looks different, and he sounds different, and he doesn't do the same thing that the previous leader did. In fact, we kind of watched him grow up. And we're not sure he's up for the task. And he's never stood among great leaders like a Pharaoh before and was able to conquer things. We've not seen miracles through him like we saw through Moses before. He's new and unknown. You know, a part of this picture is the inside help. It's a scandalous woman. It's a woman named Abbott's there only in in this new city this promised land, this place called Jericho, by the way, it's fortified walls. They're ready for action. They, they, dare, they dare you, they beg you, come on, try. And your only help isn't somebody who can bear a sword, it's somebody who bears the shame of their past. And they're going to help you. And that's your only source of help. The first place you will go is a place that is completely fortified. It's waiting for you as you step across the river into this new promised land. Oh, by the way, in order to get there, you'll have to cross the Jordan River, which generally speaking isn't too deep and is not too wide to cross except for now we know it's harvesting season. It's flood stage. At this point in time, it's about 90 to 120 feet across. It's at least 10 to 17 feet deep and the currents are crazy. This is the picture of Israel. 
See, we think, oh man, you're right there. You can see it. Just go ahead and cross. After everything you've been through, this doesn't feel like that big of a feat. But the truth is, it is. And it would take a lot for the feet of the priest to even get close to the raging waters, to step out in faith and see if God is there. I can only imagine the night before as they hear the plans of what's going to happen, they might be thinking to themselves, listen, after all we've been through, could God not just make something easy? Could he part it tonight so that when we wake up tomorrow, it's just dry ground? Could he not at least do that after all we've been through? Have you been there before? God, I'm not asking for much. Just make one thing a little bit easier. And he says, no, no, no. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to have to put your foot in it first. You're going to have to take a risk with your faith that that sometimes it seems like, man, I don't want to have to do just one more step in faith. And God says, it's not about stepping out in faith. It's about trusting me in your journey. See, we would love... To look at the Bible and break down faith into a formula? Wouldn't that be great? And I don't want to make light of the past. I have so much appreciate in many, many different ways. The heritage that I came up in. And the people who taught me how to pray and study the Bible and figure out how to live out my faith. But I remember growing up that I could hold up five fingers, and it was a formula for faith. It was a formula for figuring out how to do this thing in life. And what I've learned in life is that when it comes to following God, we don't need a formula, we need a direction. And God gives us the direction. And oftentimes it looks like, go ahead and put your foot in the water, and I'll be there when, it, when you get there. Oh, no, 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 God, I don't want to do that. Is there another way? Not to follow me. See, here's the amazing thing about heroes of faith. They don't, they don't ever get a pass on this. You remember the Old Testament story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And they said, listen, we're not going to bow down and The king says, oh, no, 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 you're going to bow down. You're going to bow down and you're going to pay. I said, we don't care what the price is. Our God's big enough, but even if he doesn't save us, we're not going to bow down. You remember the rest of the story that they bind these three guys, and it's not then that God steps in and saves them. It could have been. It could have been the night before. It could have been five minutes before, but they're thrown into the furnace, and that's when God saves them. See, God is looking for people who are willing to step out in big, risky faith. A faith that is not just a belief. I believe God is real. I I believe that he loves us. But it's a belief that impacts what we do. It, It impacts our direction. It impacts our activity. See, stepping out in faith truly will impact your marriage. See, some of you, you've been waiting for your spouse to get with the program. You don't have to raise their hand for them right now. 
You just hang on. Don't give him an elbow. You've been waiting for him. And maybe this is an opportunity for you to take another step out into the faith that feels like a rushing river. As you say, hey, listen, you know, I've had some expectations that maybe are unfair. Would you pray with me? And is there a way that I can encourage you better? See, sometimes that looks like faith that steps out. It's with your kids where you take a step out in faith and you invest time in them that you didn't spend before and it feels risky in some ways. Is it worth it? Are they going to listen? You invest time in helping them understand who they are in Christ. It Stepping out of faith sometimes affects our finances, trusting God with what you do have and with what you don't have. Stepping out in faith with your calling, this idea that God has a plan, a purpose for your life, that he wants you to use the gifts that he's given you, not just acknowledge them, not just push them away as people say, listen, I see the way that you're gifted here. You're like, no, 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 thank you. But that he calls you to step out into the river, just one step and trust him. Stepping out in faith was sharing the gospel. And we talked about this over the last couple of months together that it's our goal here at Wellhouse to change the landscape of our community, that we recognize that our community continues to creep further and further away from this God who loves them. And so we don't want to continue to watch that happen. We believe that what we believe should impact our direction with what we know. And so we refuse to sit and watch as a community of believers and say, man, I wish we could do something about it, that we will be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. Are you with me, church? See, here's the thing. If we are not careful, just like last night walking through looking for a car and thinking we're on pace, we will get lost. And we will lose our way. We'll be close, but we will not be quite. We're gonna be in the area, but we're not quite inside the car. See, if we're not careful, we will live as though there is a separation between what we believe and what we do. And I can tell you that, that James, the brother of Jesus, says, no, 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 no. That's, not, that's not faith that you have. See, James in James chapter 2, the, the brother of Jesus, it's the reason why I believe that Jesus is who he said he is because what would it take for you to believe that your brother was God's son? If you have a brother, you grew up with him, you know this. Or a sister, right? Like, you're like, man, I don't know, you'd have to die, come back to life, and then that's the only way it's gonna happen for me, bro. And here's James who, at the death of Jesus didn't believe he was anybody. And then later on becomes a part of growing and helping churches. And as he writes to them, he writes to them about faith. And he says, what good is it? Church, 
If you say you have faith, but then there's people around you who are dying, what good is it if you believe one thing, but you don't do anything about it? See, church, it's time for you to step out into the murky waters of faith and go where God calls you to go. See, if we don't do what our faith calls us to do, then is it really faith? And James would say no. In fact, this is what he says. Faith without deeds is dead. You can be circling it and be so close and yet completely lost at the same time. God calls you out into risky, big, bold faith. It's bigger than sitting in a chair. It's bigger than reading your Bible. It's bigger than singing a song. It's a life that is committed to the calling of Christ. And so my question to you is this, what water is God calling you out into now? Where is he asking you to take one more step of faith in your life to put what you believe into action? See, faith is not a call to mindless living, as some would suggest. Well, that's just blind faith. You're just following something at at no risk or no cost. You don't even know what you believe. I would say that's not true. That's not faith. It's a call to intentional trusting. That I know who my God is. And I'm learning more about him every day and what he wants for my life. And so every day I will intentionally trust him more with what I have and what he's given me. And listen, church, this is huge. And this is risky. But this is what we've been called to do. We encourage you. We invite you. We want you to be on this journey with us. But we also recognize that it's hard and it's scary. And for some of you, you're just hanging on by a thread anyway. Life has been rough and it has wrestled you to the ground. For some of you, you had faith a long time ago. You put it into action and it felt like it was going to sweep you away. And so you found shelter back on the, the bank and you said, I don't know if I can do that again. For some of you, you're looking at the water and you're wondering if now is the time. You sit and you wonder and you worry and you debate if you're going to put your foot in or wait another day. And I want to encourage you not to listen to the noise, but listen to the Father who calls you. Would you stand today as we close out our time together, this blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and give you peace. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with tremendous joy. May you be swept away in God's love for you. And transformed through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Thanks be to the only God, our Savior, who is unparalleled and unchanging. Who is matchless and merciful. Who is supreme and sufficient. 
who is before all things, and through all things, and in all things, both now and forever. Amen. Worship with us.